Yes, we've been stoked on this one. You were like one of the first people who popped into our head for this year. Hell yeah. Yeah, we know that you have a lot to say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Judging from your Twitter activity. Yeah, we decided to just bring you on. Yeah, I mean, I've been going on little old people rants on Twitter. <laughs> old people rants? Like what? No, I mean like, because I don't know, I've been in the scene since before the term rhythm was even a thing you know so i just have like so much to compare like today's state of dubstep rhythm trench to like what i consider the glory days so i just like i don't know if it's because like things are genuinely better back then or if i'm just fucking jaded or some com uh, combination of the two but yeah i just Wait, feel so like an old man <laughs> what was it called before it was called rhythm um okay so we just called it like wonk or swamp or like hench Cause that sound came from um, Jake's like, cause like Jake's like pioneered that sound back in like 2008. Mm -hmm. So then his record uh, label was Hinch records. So he's oh. like, Oh, that like that Hinch sound a little bit of homework for anyone watching this Jake's Warface. If you want to know where rhythm came from Jake's Warface, like that's one of the tunes. Okay. Jake's Warface. You heard it here. Well, so what have you been up to? I mean, Happy New Year, by the way. Mm -hmm. So what's been going on? What What's cooking in your pipeline? Happy New Year's. Uh, I just turned in my first release for 2023. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about that. So I'm just going to say yeah. that music music mm. is on the horizon. A very uh, big remix for a very short person. Oh, no, he, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, you came quad. quick at it. <laughs> you were had quick to. with that one. <laughs> had to, had to. Hmm. But yeah, and then, I, said, uh, I said a Lord Farquaad, so hint, hint for anyone who knows. Wink, wink. If you know, you know. <laughs> yeah, so I, I was um, super hyped to finish that one, super hyped to get that one released. Because like, typically when I make music, I kind of like to keep it for the live element. And I will admit that one of the faults I have is like, I make music, but not for the release of, uh, sorry, not for the intent of releasing it. You know what I mean? I, I do not like releasing music, but um, beginning of 2023, it's just kind of like, all right, not only do I have a lot of releases that I'm working on, it's stuff that I like, I'm genuinely happy that it is being released. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm super hyped on that. So like got the EP or sorry, Got the remix done, reworking an EP to try to get that like done. And then I'm also working on his second EP. And oh, wow. once I fit, yeah, once I finish that, it's kind of like no time to wait. I just got to go rush and work on a third one. Because we're kind okay. of in this, we're kind of in this weird state because I, I released seven tunes in 2022. And for me personally, oh, really? that's on DPMO yeah. or uh, I did my DPMO EP. I did a single on, um, on Space Shot. And then I did Pucker Up, the hit of Pucker the year. Pucker Up as well, hit of the year, anthem of the summer. Mm -hmm. And I know there's one more, but for some reason it's it's slipping. I'm seeing Space Yacht and Bass Throw. Oh, Sweet Tooth and Sisto. Yes, that's right. We did the Sisto. Mm -hmm. uh, I did the collab with Sisto. And it, it's it's kind of just insane that like 
feeling like, all right, hell yeah, this is the most tunes I ever released. But as far as like the industry slash consumer markets concerned, I feel like I need to double that, which is like bizarre. Cause when I was, you know, baby raver, baby dubhead, we'd be happy if we got one four track EP from our favorite artists every other year, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I've seen you talk about it on Twitter too, like the element of playing stuff out live. Cause like you said that was a huge part of the culture, like the dub plate culture. And I think I saw, was it Funk Case was talking about it too? Like you would play it out live multiple times and like have the surprise element of sharing it with your artist friends and have them playing it live before you would even think about releasing it. Oh, 100%. Because, you know, it was, it was all about like creating a vibe that you can only experience when seeing either, you know, yourself or someone that's like, you know, close to you. Because the thing is too, and sorry, I'm going to go off on these little side tangents. Mm -hmm. It's, It's just how I talk. But, um, one of the problems I have with the music scene right now is I feel like a lot of sets lack identity. And I think it's because one of the things too, is because like everything just gets released. You know what I mean? It gets released and then you see the Beatport numbers and then you see the Spotify numbers and the TikTok numbers. And then you're kind of like, all right, this is what I know statistically people want to hear. And Mm -hmm. back in the day, you were the tastemaker. You decided what people wanted to hear. Like you had your own secret arsenal and you're like, hey, Mm -hmm. I know my music taste is fucking awesome. That's why I get paid to do this. I'm going to put you on to something that you wanted to hear that you didn't even know that you wanted to hear. Mm -hmm. So to go back to dub play culture, it's like you'd make these tunes, either originals, remixes or edits. And where dub play culture actually comes from is from the vinyl days. So, you know, back then you had to press all the songs of vinyl. And then for the uh, for the specific dub plates, like it was expensive, you know, it was expensive mm-hmm. and you could only play those dub plates maybe like five to 10 times before they broke, you know? So like they literally were what? like secret, <laughs> like, like secret fucking weapons, you know? That's so cool. I didn't know that it was an actual vinyl. Yeah, it was like, that far back. That's how far back when that's why it's, you know, it was a literal plate, you know, like, okay. So, um, Damn. <laughs> just, just keep, there's just some, there's just something that happens when you hear a song, especially when you're someone that goes to shows like all the time and you hear the, the buildup and you're like, holy shit. Like we never hear this. Like, I don't know when the next time I'm going to hear this is, you know? Mm-hmm. And then as far as like sharing plates, it became kind of a respect thing. You know, it's like, uh, someone you looked mm-hmm. up to kind of like, I, like, I see what you're doing. I fuck with you. Like, here's a piece of me that you can have in your sets that like no one else has. It's kind of like, uh, kind of like a friendship thing you know what i mean like friendship mm-hmm. slash respect you know it's kind of like knowing where you stand with certain people and then it was a huge part of the culture when i was first coming up but it, it just feels like something that's been kind of lost and in doing so i feel like a lot of songs that would have been anthemic back in the day just like they have the potential to be an anthem they just come out and then the second mm-hmm. they come out everyone just like listens to the song or plays the song out live until they're sick of it. You know, there's, there, there isn't that like that scarcity that it's not special anymore, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I totally get that. I mean, how long have you been in the scene actually? Just so we can have it here on record. Oh, okay. I've been raving since 2009 and I've been going to what we would call rhythm now or trench or whatever. Since twenty <laughs> since twenty twelve. Twenty twelve. How was it different back then? Like obviously besides the, the culture. Like what were the shows different? So it's crazy because back then we would get one show a month. And I live in LA, like born and raised in LA. 
And at the time, L.A. was the only spot where you could really go to a pop and underground show. And we got it once a month, you know. And back then, too, if you saw a lineup, you're like, all right, man, like visas are tricky. A lot of these fools were not even having visas when they came, you know. Mm -hmm. So it it was like, you don't know if this fool's going to get caught playing a dirty tour and like getting his, you know, getting his access to this country or book. So a dirty tour. That's a term that I haven't heard for that. Yeah, that's what we used to call it back then. It's like, all right, let's pull dirty touring. Like, no, hey, you got to, like, make it happen somehow. But if you get caught, like, you're, so, fucked, um, you're fucked. Yeah. So since there is this, it was just a sense of scarcity, you know, like, you couldn't see underground shows. Like, you couldn't get that sound very often. And more specifically, if that artist was on a lineup, you know, you don't know the next time you're going to see them again. And more often than not, like, if you did see them, it'd be a year, a year and a half, two years before they came back to town. Because that's just like how the scene was, especially with underground dubstep. There really wasn't a market that would, you know, justify bringing out these artists as much, uh, bring out these artists as often as we're able to now, you know, like it, it just wasn't mm-hmm. there. So yeah, since, it, oh, sorry, what you say? No, I was just going to say that's a really interesting contrast to nowadays where like, I was just telling someone we have like two or three rhythm shows a week here in Denver, like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, bam, like anything you could want, it's here. It's always going to be here. Yeah, I feel like you can um, relate to this as well, because I feel like Denver is similar to Los Angeles in the sense that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you can be on the same main street and there will be three different shows for the same genre going on at once. And I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. It's like, you know, share the wealth, share the opportunity. But the fact that you can get three of your favorite artists like playing different shows three days a week, it's, it's just something we didn't have 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty crazy. We are blessed. <laughs> but also, Den- I feel like crazy. Denver's a hotbed, though, for the culture. Like, the reason I go out so much is because I want to see the people. Like, it's it's not just networking. It's like seeing all my friends and like getting to catch up with them and like let go of our fears throughout the day. Cause like we spend all day on the computer being stressed about shit. And then I get to go to the rave on Thursday and I get to see all my homies and we're just having fun, jamming out, you know? No, I feel like Denver has one of the best attitudes uh, musically from, you know, from my personal experience of touring, because uh, believe it or not, like, I do have to be mindful of what I'm playing, where I'm playing it, you know, like mm-hmm. certain certain cities, I have to play more like square four rhythm, you know, like other spots, I have to play like more tear out, you know, other spots, mm-hmm. I have to play like some top 40 or like blend in some top 40 so they don't get lost, you know? Yeah, but yeah. exactly. When I play in Denver, and especially Denver, I can really play the type of set that I would want to play, which is just like like a progressive mix of everything I've fallen in love with throughout the years. And at no point, like even if I get like into the super most niche parts of my music collection, Denver's just right there, like rocking with me. Like Mm -hmm. that's just something I I love about, you know, uh, Denver as a city. Yeah, it's like we have like an educated dubstep. Exactly. Everyone's educated across the board. Exactly. <laughs> Everyone here has a-, a PhD in bass music. <laughs> well, I fucking love that. So do you have any plans on coming out here this year that you can talk about? Uh, nothing I can talk about at the moment, but there are some things in the talks for sure for Denver. Mm-hmm. Um, especially after uh, Denver. So Sorry, I was going to say Denver Ballroom. <laughs> Denver ballroom. <laughs> Denver ballroom. Yeah, but uh the last time I was at Mission, it created a little a little bit of positive buzz. So we're we're mm-hmm. working on coming back out. 
Wait, that when were you last show? Mission? Again? You was there for the dude. For I know August. August. It was August, right? The, oh August, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I'm blanking. <laughs> no, you're good. And also, too, I shouldn't assume that everyone watching would know that where us three people were at at a very like random night during the summer. Right. Well, because I was gonna say the last time I saw you was in Vegas in August. Right. I think Vegas was a little bit before. It was like August 10th when I saw you. And then, yeah, I saw you again at the Kezo show. Yeah, it was Vegas when I played uh, Hard Rock with Kill the Noise. Mm -hmm. Which was really fun, actually. Although the crowd was kind of rowdy. Like, not going to lie. The crowd was... I love that. Like, that. that's my whole goal. Like, Well, you succeeded that goal for sure. Because <laughs> my goal as an artist is, you know, like, I come from the punk scene. And the reason I fell in love with dubstep is when I was first going to uh, dubstep shows, they're like literal shitholes, <laughs> like hole in the wall <laughs> venues, dive bars, dirty, smelly. Like it was a borderline fight the entire night, but no one was like mad. There's no drama. You know, it's like, hey, we're a bunch of fucking pissed off kids. And this is how we get our anger out. It's therapeutic, you know? So, um, and that's why I fell in love with dubstep, you know, it just reminded me of like the punk scene. It was the closest thing in dance music to like the punk scene. So I try to like give that environment, you know, because I'm like, Hey, this is what made me fall in love with it. So if I can bring out this like anger in you in a healthy, constructive way to where I can push people to their point of like their breaking point without it being like an actual problem, like that, that's what I want, you know, like how close can we get to this being a problem before it becomes a problem without it is yeah well and I always like think about you know the dubstep scene I'm like there's so many different types of people in it too and I feel like it's all the people who never really had like the click like they're all of the outcasts but then they found their people because they're all they all feel like outcasts so they're together as one if that makes sense no 100 and the cool thing too is like now there's so many just different subsects of genre genre of uh of dubstep you know like you have the wood crowd or you know the hippie kids and then you have like the rhythm kids which are just mm -hmm. little little street rats you know <laughs> and, and then crawlers. the melodic dubstep kids <laughs> yeah and then you have the which i would imagine were the ad animated club kids in high school you know like <laughs> yeah there's a little spot for everyone it's kind of cool you got yeah. everyone how, how was um summoning festival I'm wearing the shirt right now. Oh, word. Um, so, I, yeah, that was I, good. Um, sorry if this offends anybody, but yeah, Summoning Fest was the best festival experience I've ever had. Nothing ever even came close. Like, except for, okay, sorry, in North America, I will say. Okay, okay. <clears throat> You'll have to elaborate on that. I, I will elaborate Um, because there's been kind of a Pandora's box that opened ever since Dubstep kind of like, rocketed itself into mainstream popularity in dance music because there's a point where I first came into the scene where actually when I first came into the scene dance music was seen as a joke as a whole you know it's like oh you go to raves you're fucking weird and mm -hmm. then within the dance scene it was like oh you listen to dubstep like you're fucking weird and then within dubstep it was like you listen to rhythm like the fuck is wrong with you you know so it's like that meme with the iceberg and you're just going like lower mm -hmm, and lower yeah. and lower and like rhythm was at the just very very bottom you know Sounds and right. now yeah now it's arguably one of the most popular subgenres in dance music which is cool yeah. because <laughs> 
but at the same time, it's brought a bit of commercialism to it. And then and I, I think anyone should be allowed to make what they want. Like if they if they like the sound, they should be able to make it. But it, it has attracted people who are attempting to make the sound because that's they think that's what's going to sell right now. And they're mm-hmm. getting into it without like doing their research of where it came from or, you know, like who the founders are. And I'm not necessarily against someone who's new to a genre, like making a name for themselves in that genre. Granted, they take the time to do the research and be like, all right, yo, these are the guys who came before me. If you like me, you need to fucking pay them respects, you know? Um, But th- I just, I feel like, on the uh, on the festival on the festival scene in America, a lot of the culture has been lost, and it's to a point where like there's so many people in power that have no idea where the culture came from that they yeah. actually couldn't even teach the people that they're putting on if they wanted to. You know? Yeah, I mean it's crazy how quickly some artists have risen by just playing like the heavy shit. Like, yeah. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to like go into details with that, but how do you think that we can recover the culture and like actually make it be more deeper and more meaningful? Um, It, it kind of depends on the individual, you know, uh, and to like those that are in seats of power have a mm-hmm. big responsibility as well. Because like when I was coming up, not even as a DJ, but just as a fan, I noticed that my generation of music listeners, we just had more interest to educate ourselves on the genre like we loved it so much that we wanted to know everything about it. And I think now it's become kind of a socially acceptable thing. So there are people that don't necessarily, not saying that they don't like the music, but they're there for more social reasons than mm-hmm. just for music, which like, I can't be mad at anybody for that, you know? Yeah. But I think, I think it's, there's just so many people that like, Oh, all my friends do this. So I want to do this too. So they're not going to take like that the ex- drug culture. That too. Like this is this cool spot for me to party and veg out out and not think about anything and so like they're not going to go be like oh who's jakes or oh who's subfiltronic or oh who's ad or who's d2 or who's chrome star you know like they're not going to be like oh or if they're a sweet tooth fan they're not going to be like all right who did sweet tooth get into or you know who got because for me i was always about cookie monster and fun case like those two are there why i became a dj but then once i figured out everything about their discography i started watching interviews of them and started listening to like who who got them into dubstep you know mm-hmm. and i i just i think it's part partly those are the top responsibility and also partly personal responsibility you know like if you say you love this culture as much as you do like not saying that you have to become a, a total fucking nerd to make your your whole personality but like yo just take that little extra time like see where shit mm-hmm. came from you know and that's yeah. that's what i was going to get to about summoning fest is uh danny is someone that like I don't think people realize how deep Danny's lineage in dubstep goes, you know, like he's been lineage. (laughs) (laughs) We're nerding out here. We're nerding out. He's a generational bass music artist. (laughs) He has been around for a long time and he is someone that has respect from all the OGs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's really created his own style, but he's someone that if he wants to, he can go back and make, you know, proper rhythm proper deep dub and do it well and Mm -hmm. the ogs and the founders respect him for that and he gives credit where credit is due you know dude his black label shit that's how i first discovered him yes boy ball and all that last life the spell jam ep was where like because i I met danny when he moved from uh, norcal to la 
And it was literally just like, hey, do you want to be friends with sudden death? And then it was like he had no uh he just moved to, he just moved. So he's kind of meeting people. I'm like, and he was really good friends with David Yaks, who's one of my like longtime mm-hmm. best yeah. friends. So um I remember Danny was showing us all tunes. We're like, yo, this is insane, this is insane. And then when he dropped that spell jam EP, like the first Lost Lands, I heard spell jam in like literally every set. And we're just like, dude, Danny's just gonna, you know. So and to go back did. to and now he, he has his own festival, like that's and insane. To go, to go back to that festival, um, you can tell he really put that lineup together for the love of music, you know, like. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, all right, who are up and comers that I've actually taken the time to listen, like that I've taken the time personally to listen to and that my personal demographic really wants to see? Mm-hmm. And um, who are some of the OGs that should be all should be playing more, but they're just not like getting the opportunities, you know? Like, man's blessed us with a Benz mixer set. Like, a Benz What's mixer, that? uh, well, a Benz mixer is a OG OG rhythm artist. And he's he someone on the main that, stage? No, he played in the cave, which I'm actually like happy that he did. It was the he vibe played. that That was the vibe. Happen. That was the vibe, you know. Cuz uh to go back, sorry to dub play culture, but when I'm like, all right, people are warmed up, it's time to drop a fucking nuke on them and this is, this is going to be the crowd divider, you know, like this is going to be the kids that are actually super into rhythm are going to lose their shit. <laughs> and the people that aren't are going to get a little confused. It's yeah. always, it's always a Benz mixer plate, like every time. And then the cool thing though, is when I, when I drop that Benz mixer plate, like I look behind me before the drop happens. Cause I look at all the homies and it's going to be this kind of like, all right, wait for it. And yeah. when it drops, the people that are educated lose their minds so hard <laughs> that it kind of just, you know, uh, infectuates the rest of the crowds everyone's just like oh. was yeah. that about the time that the guy crawled on stage <laughs> you gotta tell us our the story okay, our photographer yeah. was shooting you and he t- he texted us right away he's like someone just crawled on stage <laughs> but just for everyone listening like this story is crazy so i feel like you gotta tell everyone what happened i will okay so during my sewing that says I, I fucked that sentence up tremendously so but cess? summoning best set there we go um i'm like halfway through my set i'm playing a dr ushi tune which is one of my favorite artists you know mm-hmm. and i'm about to bring in <clears throat> i'm about to bring in like because i i do like a small cookie um uh a cookie testimony like every not testimony but um Tribute, just the word tribute. I'm looking for, sorry. I do a small cookie tribute in every set that I play. So I'm, I'm loading up the cookie song on deck three. And the Ushu song that's playing is on deck one. And I have one hand on the third channel crossfader. And I'm bringing it up and deck one goes out. So I'm just fucking confused. Because I'm like, there's no way I touched anything on the left side of the CDJs, even on accident. Mm-hmm. So I turn around and this dude is just like staring at me. So, and oh my god, the music went out. Yeah, the music goes out completely. So this dude's just like staring at me. And my first thought is I'm thinking he's a stagehand or like security or something. So I'm waiting for him to say, like, hey, we cut the music. We need you to say this on the mic. I didn't know if someone got hurt or there's whatever the fuck, you know? Like, so I'm waiting for that. And then I look down and I see actual security, and that's when it clicks. I'm like, oh shit, this dude's not supposed to be on stage. <laughs> 
<laughs> so he just crawled I, up. He just sprinted up. So then I, I grabbed the mic and I'm like, yeah, I have no idea who this fucking asshole is. Oh. And <laughs> the second I say that, like all my homies rush on stage with security and they like grab him and he just starts, he tries to steal the CDJ, mind you, while all this is happening. Like, so he's trying what? to steal the CDJ. Yeah. The fuck? My homies are grabbing him. And then at this point he starts like swinging and like biting and shit like that. So, and he starts screaming like, I'm God, I'm God, you know, like all this other shit. And, um, as he steals the CDJ. <laughs> yeah. As an attempt was made, he didn't, you know, he didn't actually get to steal the CDJs and, and on the, you know, very slim chance that that was God. I, I think I was right about leaving Christianity because he seems very, uh, limited in his powers. <laughs> he was foaming. <laughs> I love that. That's crazy though. But at least they were able to get him off stage. Right he was able to get off stage right up because I know the way I described it, it makes it sound like a, a pretty long ordeal, but everything I described, uh, I watched the video and I think it all happened in about 10 seconds or so, you know, like in the heat of the moment, it felt a lot longer, but he got on stage, tried to steal a CDJ. Um, the security was able to get him off as safely as possible and, you know, like kept injuries to him. And I, I know that he did like kind of swing on some people on his way out, which is just super unfortunate, you know, but it didn't kill the vibe. Like, you know, like everyone just kind of like it happened. We got him out, got music started right back again. It was a vibe. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it gave a lot of people a lot of really funny stories to tell. But yeah, I ended yeah. up finding out later. I was like, yo, what, what was up with that dude? Like, is he good? You know, like, cause like, yeah, in that moment, you're initially thinking like, dude, fuck this guy. But then right. as you know, things kind of settle down, you're like, all right, he might not all be, he might not be all there. He might be having a super bad trip or it might be like a combination of the two, you know? Yeah. That's so, what I was thinking. Like bath salts or something. Yeah. So I was just like, yo, like, is he good? Like, is he cool? And they're like, yeah, he's good now. Like he's really sorry. He just, you know, like he smoked DMT and then he thought he was God. And I'm like, okay. That happens when you yeah. smoke DMT. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Damn, like, yeah. Worst timing. <laughs> <In the cave. laughs> And if you're somehow <laughs> watching this, um, God that tried to steal the CDJ for me, it's all good. Just, you know, watch yourself. Don't do it again. Don't bite people. Yeah. It's bad. You guys can uh, reminisce about it when you get to heaven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you briefly mentioned an out of the country show. Is that Rampage? What? Tell us more what you were talking about. Yes. Yes. Rampage. Um, Rampage, not Rampage Open Air, though. Both, actually. Both oh. are both were very um revitalizing experiences for me because i went on my little rants about how i feel about the commercialization of the u.s dubstep scene and, and though i do think it is very beneficial in some aspects I, it just comes with a hindrance to the artistry and you know just the culture the art culture itself you know so it got to a point where i started feeling more like um a businessman than a musician and the thing yeah. is, like, I'm okay with being a businessman. Like, that's one thing people need to understand. Like, being a successful artist is you have to balance artistry and, you know, like, proper business. And that's something I knew getting into this. But after a while, I felt like the scale was being tipped in the favor mm -hmm. of just pure business, you know? And, like, it just started wearing on me. I got to a point where, like, don't be wrong, I still love dubstep, but I, there's just so many, like, I just felt like I was in a fucking rut, you know? Like nothing yeah. was, ex nothing was exciting me. I even changed the way I was playing my sets because 
I feel like I would play to crowds and if I would do something really educated or really technical, I feel like it would just go everyone over everyone's head. Mm-hmm. And it that just care- gets to the, it's like these, so many artists that we talk to, they're like, I want to make techno and hard dance, but I know that people associate my brand with dubstep. So I'm going to keep making that. And like, we always advise them, you should make what you want to make. Like stop trying to make things that you think people will stream. I just don't like that. No, 100. I think um, there's, an art to balance you know like and i think too there's an art to presentation as well like if you're a dubstep artist i'm not saying that you can't make a techno tune but you have to if you're trying to release it if you're trying yeah. to release it you have to have an educated plan about how you're going to slowly sprinkle this in you know because one thing i noticed for me personally is like i'm more of a dj than a producer and when i do produce i like to produce like weird shit that if you haven't heard it live it doesn't really make sense yet you know mm-hmm. and um the point i was getting to is like my sets and even my songs i make my songs to make sense in a dj element like for doubles and triples and routines and chopping routines you know mm-hmm. so my sets are very heavily like i'm playing all four decks at the same time i'm running a double and i'm bringing in another double you know and then like just and when the underground, like, that's how I came up. But then when I went to the festival circuit, that was going over everyone's heads. So I had uh-huh. to, like, dumb down my sets for a while. Because if I was going super hard on doubles and triples and shit, I would actually lose the focus of the audience because they couldn't, like, digest what yeah. I was doing. You know, They're just what like, was, uh, what is going on here? Why does everything sound so mashed or, like, meshed and, yeah. like, mixed or up like, together? <laughs> yo dude this is cool but this is kind of intense you know like <laughs> like <too much. laughs> so i'd have to play like what i call nah. crowd like yeah you would think there's no such thing as too intense but there i definitely learned that there is such thing as a too intense so i had to kind of like bring my sets back a little bit still play the same intensity of songs but like i had to pace myself a little slower than i would i'd like to pace myself and i would do you know mm-hmm less doubles less chopping you know they i would still chop every now and then a set still have a couple doubles but it was more about like playing a set that like people could follow even if this is their first day in dubstep you know and mm-hmm. when, is that is that why you liked the european festival yes yes so when i went to europe i met you know some of my best friends dr ushu bizo azabim madcore uh and shark and in the american shark. circuit oh i fucking love shark yeah, uh, Fabian, if you're watching this, I fucking love you, Doug. But I pride myself on being one of the most technical DJs in the North American dubstep scene. You know, like if I'm going, you know, uh, if I'm sharing the decks with anyone, like I like pushing people to a point where if they're wondering if they can keep up with me, there's no one that I don't feel confident, like keeping up with in the U.S. American scene. And oh. I know that's a very bold statement, but that is something that I'm very confident in saying. When I a went, lot about how you think. When I went <laughs> to Europe, these underground kids, the kids I named, Shark, Be- Azabeam, like, I went back to that with Azabeam, and he had me actually fucking sweating to keep up. Like, the doubles he was pulling out of his ass, I was just like, yo! Yeah, maybe we need to get him on a mix. <laughs> oh, 100%. Hmm. So then when I was going back to back with him, that, like, little bit of a... Uh, just the underground LA and me kind of woke up and I was like, yo, like, why did I stop mixing this aggressively? Like, you know, and then when I was in Europe, Europe really fucks with like 
pushing yourself to limits, doing shit that no one else is doing, you know, like taking risks. Mm -hmm. Like the more risks you take in Europe, the more everyone's hyped on what you're doing. So doing ramp, uh, doing rampage, doing opening air, playing next level in Budapest, playing. Um, Ooh, Budapest. We saw videos from Kezo set there. Budapest is wild. Dude, they might be in the top five base capitals of the world. No, 100%. I was saying, I was just going to say that everyone says that Montreal is a base capital world, which I do believe, but Budapest is coming. And I think the reason why more people aren't saying Budapest is because they haven't played there yet. They just don't yeah. know. They don't even know what country Budapest is in. Like most people just have no idea. Well, a lot Americans of people in the scene here, <laughs> it's not that there's nothing bad with that, but like a lot of people that I've met in this scene, they've never left the country or like they've gone to just Mexico or Canada, but like I've met it's so sad. many people that never left and just never even been to Europe. Nothing. That kind of makes sense. Um, I, I do think everyone should leave the country, especially like whether it be from a music standpoint or just from a seeing the world, you know? But mm -hmm. if you grew up in America, <clears throat> sorry, if you grew up in America, America has so much to offer in every little random facet of what humanity has to offer. There's <laughs> yeah, almost, <laughs> almost no need to leave, especially because all the places you want to go to, the people that are from there try to leave there to come here because they know they right. can monetize it easier, you know? Everywhere so, we go, they're like, oh, I wish I could go to America. It's just too expensive. And I'm like, oh, I wish you could too. 100%. I'm over here like, I wish I could just move to Spain. Like, I know. <laughs> no, if I, could, I if I could move anywhere, it'd be either England or France. And the reason I say France yes. is because I, I got all the homies there. And the dubstep scene in France is... I, yeah. And the thing is, like, when I go there and I romanticize the dubstep scene in France, like, what do you mean? Like, we want to experience a dubstep scene in America. You guys have all the shows. I'm like, yo, but like quality versus quantity, mm -hmm. man. Like, dude. And like the producers out of France, like Samplifier, Ivory, Dr. Ushu, like just, Cole. I you could go on. Cole. Yeah. And his twin brother, Hurtbox. Oh, Hurtbox. Hurtbox. Hurtbox is up next. Like, when is he coming? Like, mm -hmm. oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I think as far as like producers, countries go i think france is the most cracked for for you know underground dubstep. dubstep yeah i actually haven't been to france i really want to go i'm kind of saving like a two or three week trip for france because i'd want to see all the chateaus and go to a bunch of shows and all that dude you should go to rampage and then plan a europe trip where you go to france because the cool thing about europe is like for us crossing states or even us crossing cities it's mm -hmm. like th they can cross countries with the same little bit of ease mm -hmm. so like when I played Budapest, all my French homies were there. I'm like, wait, what, what the fuck are you guys doing here? Like, it's like the equivalent of traveling across Texas <laughs> from yeah, like no. France to Budapest. They're like, oh, dude, it was just a, it was like a two hour train and the train's like 30 bucks. So yeah, we're here. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh my god, That's like the craziest thing. I remember I, I was living in Barcelona for a little bit. I would go on Skyscanner, Google flights, $30 to go to Paris one way or go to Germany. And I was like, fuck yeah, full send. And I was like going to yeah. a different country like every weekend, just flying there, taking <laughs> no, a backpack. Literally. literally. <laughs> so that's the one thing I miss about. That's, I mean, I guess that's the reason why I would move to Europe is to travel all over travel. the place, go to Africa, even go to Asia, mm -hmm. everywhere. Yeah. When does dubstep coming to Africa? That's the question of the year, I guess, right? Is, does Africa like EDM? I mean, what's going on down I there? feel like, I feel like, um, they probably have a huge techno scene as do like probably like techno oh and trance gosh. in like morocco and like probably johannesburg 
I, I know. Um, I think Egypt is big on like uh, Psytrance and like you know, yeah, techno and shit. Yeah, Middle Eastern techno, and stuff. like hard dance as well. So I don't know if they, I don't know if dubstep's gone there yet. Maybe it'll be like within the next ten years, hopefully. Maybe it's our duty to bring it there. Hey, I'm so, <laughs> I'm so with it. <laughs> well, funny. well, there are rumors that out of that United Airlines is trying to create the first direct flight to Africa from Denver. Oh so. wow, I didn't hear that. I just read it like two days ago. On the on did the they news. say what country? Um, I think Egypt actually. Okay, that would make sense. And then maybe South Africa, but I think that's too far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do they even have a jet that can go from Denver to South Africa? Yeah, that'd be that'd be too long. Seven eighty sevens, man. <laughs> I, I've had a lot of luck with nothing happening to me on an airplane with how much I fly, but like I don't want to push my luck with right. a different South Africa flight. Yeah, mm-hmm. but if that were to happen, <clears throat> all right, we're going to Africa, bringing dubstep I'm there, educating, <laughs> educating. I'm with it. Yes. Well, we have a couple of questions for you. I know Shoot. we're t- we're chatting away. We are chatty Cathy's right now. Um, but we got. I'll I'll start off. Um, what do you think about going back to back with UCB Flow? Oh, I would love to do that. I would love to do that. Um, okay, hell yeah. Because you say flow is someone that came up the same way I came up because how I got my name was I came up before I was producing. I was just a DJ and I was posting mm-hmm. videos of doubles, triples, chopping routines, and they blow up and I started getting shows and he yeah. did the same thing during the pandemic. So all the hate he was getting for being just a DJ, I mm-hmm. was someone that was able to reach out and be like, Hey man, I've been there too. Like, this is how you get through it. This is how you ignore it. Like you should yeah. start producing, but like, don't let people get to, you, you know? Yeah, he but, at one point he like chopped the entire night compilation. We were all watching that. <laughs> I remember seeing and to, that. And to like if I did a back to back with Yusei B Flow, I wouldn't brand it as a back to back. I would brand it as a versus set because that's how back to backs used to be oh. branded. They'd be versus sets, and I it see. would literally it would literally turn into like okay, dog, who can keep up with who? You know, like you're. A I didn't school. realize that was part of it. Yeah, I mean, it's all friendly competition, but it's kind of like all right, like who who's who's the batter dj you know like who's sicker on the decks hmm, okay good to know we might have to host a, a a little uh sweet tooth versus you say flow in denver one day i don't know yeah daniel if you're watching this i'm gonna put you in your place all of the <laughs> he, he's doing a mix for us in a couple weeks so oh fucking dude fucking love daniel yeah yeah i'm excited for it uh all right next one here dj uh, Dougie T, he wants to know: Did Funk Case have anything to do with your current dance moves? Yes, one hundred percent. I used to before I even touch decks. <laughs> I used to just watch Funk Case recap videos over and over and <laughs> over, and then I would go to my bathroom and I would look in the bathroom mirror and <laughs> no I would way. pretend that I would pretend that my sink was the pair of CDJs, and I would like practice his dance moves. So when I <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> Yeah, and you practice funk case. <laughs> yes, I practice funk case in the mirror using my sink as a pretend pair of CDJs before I even owned a uh, before I even owned a mixer. So when I first started, um, when I first started DJing, like stage presence was a huge thing for me because of funk case. Like I wanted to be like I wanted to be funk case, you know. Mm-hmm. So he's your idol. My, yeah, he's my idol. Like he, James, close your ears. I've never had a bigger idol in Funk Case 
Dan Funkcase mm-hmm. in my entire life. You know, like he, he's the reason I became a dubstep DJ. He's the reason I produce the way I produce. He's the reason why I mix the way I mix. You know, I I try to I try to make Sweet Tooth like a my generation's version of Funkcase. You know what I mean? Because there are mm-hmm. things that I'm gonna do because I grew up in a different time than he did. But I still kind of use like Funkcase as the blueprint. But to go back to stage presence, my my stage presence was so much like his in the beginning to the point where I'd watch videos and be like, all right, this is a fucking problem. So now copy. exactly. I'm like, all right, let's keep the same volume of energy, but like, let's be more Devin. Like, let's be more sweet to you. Let's be more original with it. You know? Yeah. That's cool. And, he, and now you're on also, his label. Yes. Day so, one DPMO, like, by the way. Really? When, <laughs> day one. So um, wow. it's, 2017, I, me and Funcase had started becoming more friendly. We weren't really friends yet, but it got to the point where if I saw him in certain places, he recognized me and be like, oh, Dev, like, what's up? And we talk here and there. So it's 2017. Um, Impending Doom is getting denied by every label. Impending yes. Doom got denied? By every That's label. That's fire, though. That's like and such a sick at, track. Right? And at the time, I didn't even know DPMO was a thing, but Funcase put, uh, put his submission email up. And I had sent it to him kind of like, not sign this. I'm like, hey, I finally think I have a tune that's worth your time. You know, like, let me know Mm -hmm. what you think. And I get, it's my first out-of-state show. So uh, I I wake up because we're driving from uh, Minneapolis to Chicago. So like like eight, nine hour drive. I I wake up and I have a Twitter DM from Funcase. And like I said, we weren't really friends at the time. I was still like idle mode. I'm like, oh, okay. And he's like, yo, this song you sent me, it fucking bangs. I played it last night and it went off. So he's like, I have a couple tweaks. Tweak this, tweak that, and then I'm signing it immediately. And not only am I signing Holy it, shit. but I'm I'm going on tour and I'm starting my tour with this song. Wow. And then he's like, all right, I'm going to tell you, this is a fucking secret, but I'm starting a crew. It's called DPMO. If you want in, you're in. We're taking over the underground and like you're part of the Dude, family. What? I, I literally, <laughs> I get out of the car and I start screaming and like I running would... around in circles and shit. <laughs> shit, I would have been too. Because <laughs> at that point, wow. this is my this is my first weekend playing out of state shows. Like I was a fucking no one back then, you know. Like I had a little underground mm-hmm. hype, but like I hadn't released on a major label. I you know I hadn't really done anything noteworthy, and I have like my fucking idols. Like, hey dog, you're rocking with me now. You're part of the crew as my first release. So I was like, dog. Oh. And it's some, yeah, someone you idolize and like, it was one of your first solid songs that you had made. And the cool thing too is uh, Level, you know, the guy, Mm -hmm. the homie I made the track with. Absolutely. He was also a huge, huge circus fan, you know, and like, we were Mm -hmm. both these huge circus fanboys. So for us to have our, you know, to share first release on our dream label, like with my best friend, she was awesome. I bet. And then you guys went back to back, right? At the Rampage opener, which... Uh, the main rampage main rampage yes okay main one so yeah i watched that on youtube that shit fucks yeah so (laughs) i actually had to keep that a secret for two years because as you guys know um we were supposed to do rampage in 2020 but the pandemic but um the week of rampage i'm at james's house preparing and he's like oh by the way i'm going back to back with you guys uh you guys are going to play your set halfway through and then I'm going to make my entrance and then I'm going to go back to back with you guys. And I'm like, wait, at what? James's house? Who's James? Oh, uh, James's fun case. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 will, start, I will start using their, their actual, uh, their stage names. I'm sorry. 
I had I had inferred that, but I didn't want to assume. <laughs> yeah, so like I'm like, wait, it was literally my fucking dream because in 2014, my parents came, my dad came in my room, and he's like, and I I just quit an MMA career, like I was literally about to go pro. I quit. Wow. Yeah, about to go pro. Quit like literally before my first pro fight, and then became a DJ. And then at first, my parents were like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Yeah. So then yeah. After a while, my dad comes in my room. He's like, "All right, I'll bite." Like, what? What's the biggest you can do? Like, how far can you take this? So it was actually during the Rampage live stream, and I'm like, "Hey, like, this is the biggest show in dubstep. That guy right there, his name is Funcase. Like, he's my, my favorite DJ." And my dad watched that set with me. He's like, "Yo, I get it." So wow. six years later, I get to tell my dad, like, hey, dad, remember that fucking festival I showed you with the guy that was playing? Not only am I playing that festival, but I'm going back to back with him. And yeah, he signed your music and now you guys are homies, like literally manifestation. Exactly. It's, it's kind of cool to like go back to my parents and be like, hey, I did exactly what I said I was going to do word mm-hmm. for word. So yeah, yeah we're, we're, we're playing. We're, exactly. We're playing Rampage and I didn't know that there was going to be a fucking second stage. <laughs> So yeah. like I'm playing Rampage and then the cue was play Impending Doom and when Impending Doom was done, um, echo out and then like we're gonna have a moment of silence and then Funk Case is gonna like come down. So we play Impending Doom, I echo it out, lights go off, everyone's like, okay, something's about to happen. And then it's just the fucking Funk Case fanfare and they bring him from a stage from the goddamn ceiling. I'm just like- <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> so yes, he levitated they had a... down or? Yeah, so they had a stage that had like um, uh, what's it, it was on. I can't I can't think of the word right now. But like they elevated it. Down. Yeah, 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 they brought a platform down from the ceiling, and that's what like where he came from. Was that at the and end? It didn't even. It was uh exactly thirty minutes into the set. So I'm like, I don't remember seeing that, but I need to rewatch uh, this. Yeah, it's exactly thirty minutes in, and I remember while watching it, it didn't process because I was like, damn. Spent 10 years getting here. This is literally my fucking mm-hmm. day one dream. I'm playing Rampage, biggest fucking dubstep festival in the world, playing with Fun Case, who is coming down from the ceiling right now. And there's <laughs> 20,000 people watching me live, and all my friends and family are watching on YouTube. Wow. Yeah, this is happening. That's that's what I meant when I tweeted the other day, and I was like, EDM works in mysterious ways. That's it. Yeah, it's just, it's just one of those things, too, because like when you're when your lifelong dream is happening in front of you it's kind of weird because you Mm -hmm. expect to feel this certain way when it actually happens but in the moment it's just kind of like you do so much time and prep and you know by the time you get there it's just like yeah I deserve to be here you know yeah like it feels so right in the moment because you know that you deserve it exactly but I feel like it's happening it it also didn't feel like it was happening it's like one I deserve to be here but two this also doesn't feel real right now. Do I like, deserve to be here? Gotta pitch is this, myself. Is this yeah, is this actually yeah. happening? And then it's one of those where like the night's over and the next day you can't stop watching videos and you're like, oh my God, last night was so perfect. And you like- No, 100%. Like I actually cried uh, backstage like after it happened because in the moment it didn't click. But then after I was like, what the fuck just happened? You know? That's so cool. Love that for you. That's Aww, amazing. Fun case is making dreams come true. Dude, yeah. Not only mine, but I've watched him- I've watched him both start and save so many careers. It's fucking insane. Like there've been so so many people that were on the verge of quitting just because of like things that I've gone over and things that other things that happen combined with personal issues. And uh, Funkies is the type of person that will really just sit there and talk to you and hear what's wrong and do what, do everything he can. And 
provides you with all the uh the resources that he has to like hey like you have all the talent and skill to do this i i don't think you should give up if you want to give up that's fine but like hey let's just try it this way and if you're still not feeling it i totally understand and i i've just seen him like like i said just both start and save so many careers you know yeah mad respect right well we're gonna run through these we have some more questions for you we're gonna run through them yes all right, Mr. Kevin Connor is asking all the hot questions. He's asking Kleenex brand tissue or Puffs brand tissue. I'm gonna do uh, Kleenex just because I feel like that's what I know. <laughs> <laughs> but if, yeah, if it gets the boogers out, we're chilling. I love that. Gets the job done, but it has to yeah. be two ply. Yeah, yeah, not three ply. Three ply is way too much. I don't think I've come across a three ply. One weird thing I ran into Europe. That's some bougie shit. Yeah, what? Like, what kind of hotel are you staying at? Yeah, geez. Uh Normally, they don't even have toilet paper at the bathrooms in Europe. (laughs) Three ply actually hurts. It's like a piece of wood. Literally, it's like you can feel the tree where it came from. Oh Oh, God, Jesus, it's too funny. Um, and then Kevin Connor also wants to know what country have you not toured yet that you want to perform in. Japan. Ooh. Uh, Japan would be sick. And Japan was one that was just about to happen. And then COVID. Dude, fuck COVID sometimes. But COVID birthed up some FBI, so I'm grateful. There is, uh, you know, there was the very obvious shitty things that happened. But out of that, like, if you were able to, you know, take the time that was allotted and make something, you know, awesome. You know, mm-hmm. life when life make, gives you lemons, make lemonade. You guys made yeah. the lemonade, you know? So there you go. Mm-hmm. Yes. We made Japan. a whole ass lemon meringue. <laughs> Hell yeah. I don't even know what that is, but it sounds delicious. Yeah. That pie. A lemon oh, pie. Oh, <laughs> I like pie. <laughs> um, okay. Well, we're going to move into the lightning round because yes. we have seven more really pressing questions to get through in the next nine minutes. So Easy. Mac, Mac or PC? Mac. Yes. Ableton or FL? Ableton. High knees or low knees? High knees. <laughs> always. I, I always love seeing like your high knees, especially when you were out here in Denver. Like it was just so entertaining, just like watching you do all these doubles and doing like high knees and then watching the crowd. Like yeah, <laughs> it's just so contagious. Day- your energy is just so contagious. Like it makes me want to do high knees right then and there backstage. Exactly. <laughs> Back in my day, we didn't headbang. We did high knees and gun fingers. So I want to keep mm-hmm. that alive. Love that. Um, what's the favorite back-to-back you've ever done? You can say too, because I think you already talked about it. Ooh. Um, probably Ben's Mixer. At this little random club. Um, oh, it was a, a union, which is like the underground LA club. It was for the Baron uh, Memorial Show. Uh, Baron's mom actually threw it and she got a bunch of people that like were friends with Baron back in the day so I went back to back with Ben's Mixer and um, basically Ben's Mixer is one of the craziest DJs in the game you know like so the way I DJ now was partially due to me preparing myself to go back to back with Ben's Mixer so the way that Ben's Mixer plays is he starts off slow and his set progressively get faster and um, he's like hey do you mind if I start the set and I was like okay you can start the set, but if you start the set, we're keeping my level of aggression the entire set. We're not warming up, you know? 
He's like, okay, bet. So that that set was just like doubles on doubles on doubles, and we were doubling and chopping off of each other, which was like insane. Damn. And then my back to back with level at um, Rampage Open Air, because mm-hmm. I I feel like stylistically level partners the best with me, because it allows me to do more of the crazier stuff, but he keeps the same energy while doing more of the stuff, uh, more of the storytelling vibe, and you know like giving the crowd a chance to breathe without bringing the energy level all the way down. You know what I mean? And I feel like we've mastered the back and forth and we both know what our jobs are in a back to back with each other. And the, the open air was our best, like most thorough back to back that we've ever done. And that's my fucking best friend, man. You know, mm-hmm. that looked like a really fun set. Oh, so fun. Especially Dude, because I'm- like, I didn't even we know. Gotta I go out there for that show. Yes, yes, yes. Rampage, make it happen. Next time I play yeah. Rampage. Are you going this year? Um, can't say. Can't say. Well, I'm not playing, but are not you playing, going? but I'm not not March just because it's uh I you know got some stuff out here to handle. But as of right now, I'm planning on being there at the very least for open air. And that's in June. July. Okay. Yeah. Ooh, right at the peak of tourist season. Yeah. Yeah. But if you can make we'll that play week by ear. Belgium have, make the week in Belgium happen, <laughs> you yeah, won't regret it. Belgium. Mm, Tomorrowland? <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'd rather go to Rampage Open Air, though, because we've already been to Tomorrowland. No, I was just saying, like, both, you know? But that's kind every, of both. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> every true dubstep head owes it to themselves to make one trip to Rampage before they die. Totally. You have to do it. All right. Yeah, dubstep guys to sponsor Mecca. it sponsoring one lucky winner if you're listening this far we're picking one lucky winner <laughs> you could be the one you could be enter on our instagram <laughs> all right um next one who are your producer best friends oh man i have so many fucking friends you're um, popular honestly that was something that happened during the pandemic i was in a very like dark isolated place and and that was just because of touring and I didn't really have the opportunity to make friends. And my friends were just people like I cross paths with on the road, you know, but during the pandemic was the first time I actually had time to, you know, like nourish and grow actual friendships, you know? So this is the least lonely I've ever been. And that's Good. because of the pandemic, but they got to get the Europe boys out of the way. Shark, Azabine, Bezo, Madcore, um, Ushu, fucking Seth. Soundrack, JMOS, Azadi, Yaks, Funkcase, Versa, Level, of course, my best friend. Got the homie Suspect, Lazy Flex, Chromatic. Uh, I'm trying to fire off just all the grocery boys. <laughs> Fucking I was going to say grocery boys. All, all the grocery boys. Shout out to grocery boys. You guys, if I didn't say your name, don't get butthurt. Gibby, Destroya, Physics. Um, oh, yeah. Riot 10, Kazo, of course, you got to show some love to the big boys. Um... Mm. Hesh, one of my day one homies. Alex, Al Ross, fucking love you. Danny, sudden death as well. Um, Gaps. Fuck, dude, there's just like, there's so many people that I've gotten really close to like within the past few years, you know? And if I didn't, oh, Daniel, you say B-Flow. Stains, mm-hmm. I know this is one of the grocery boys, but like fucking Stains, man. That We've been kid. hearing about him too. If you like Rhythm, like actual fucking rhythm i i will say this with my entire chest stains is the best proper rhythm producer in north america right now like putting my fucking foot down like he's the fucking best 
And he's someone that brings new elements to it while actually paying honor to its roots. And he's diverse in his sound. Like the amount of versatility he shows in a genre that people feel is extremely stagnant and repetitive is just unparalleled in my opinion. Wow. That's the only recommendation yeah. I need. All right. I'm going to be listening to him right after this. Like I've listened I'm to like, stuff I'm, here I'm, and there, but haven't actually like taken the time to do a little more research on him. So I'll have like, him investigating, I guess you could say. <laughs> I'll have him make a little care package and send it over to you guys. A care? A little care plate? <laughs> yeah, yeah. A care plate? <laughs> <laughs> that's sick i'm like looking at i'm thinking about our riot control radio schedule and i'm like we have some slots open in a couple months oh Dude, any chance i get i'm saying like stains inactive dr issue like, mm-hmm. like whenever people ask me like stains inactive dr issue like those are the three you need to be listening to the most right now in my opinion fire noted yeah all right we got the last question you may or may not know what's coming Fuck, Mary, kill. Jesus Level, Keizo, Dr. Ushu. Oh, no! Fuck! <laughs> God damn it. Um, We had to. Fuck me. Uh, okay. <laughs> fuck Level, because I've spent too much time with him that I, ca- I cannot marry him. Uh, <laughs> marry Dr. Ushu, because I he's just such a wholesome little beam, and he just feels, like, really warm and snuggly, you know? Like... Aww. I wouldn't mind going, yeah, I wouldn't mind going home to that every after every long tour. And mm-hmm. Hayden, I'm sorry, but you gotta get got. <laughs> what in tarnation? You're gonna kill the Lord Farquaad? It's not that I want you to but with the, and ended with Lord Farquaad. <laughs> <laughs> with the <laughs> options presented with the options presented to me, I have no choice. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's it. RIP. Yeah. <laughs> I'll forgive you that. Thank you for having me and fucking sick answering questions. Sorry about my rants. I get off topic a lot. That's kind of <laughs> kind of my thing. That's why we brought you on. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. You can let it all out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for being our guest. Do you have any last words for everyone? Um, support the underground, support your friends. Don't be afraid to be yourself. And preservation of the scene is important. Make sure to give credit where credit's due, you know? It's our scene. We can't let outsiders ruin it for us. Preach. I love that. Sweet tooth for President 2K24. Oh, hell no. <laughs> the president we need but don't deserve. The uh, written president. Oh, <laughs> uh, just let just let Infect handle that. I'll give that one to Christian. Yeah, right. Well, trench, we'll have to get him on president. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if in fact becomes president, I'll be one of his advisors. That, that's the most you'll get out of me. There you go. You can be secretary of state. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. Secretary, secretary of plates. <laughs>